So um, I, have, uh, I have an object lesson up here. Y'all probably go, what is that rack of clothes sitting up on the stage? And I was talking about white trash a couple of weeks ago, and y'all thought, man, he's brought it in the church, hadn't he? So no, this is, this is my object lesson for the, for the day. I, I, I wanted to have, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand in a little bit, I, I wanted to have a, uh, uh, a model of a heart and a brain up here um, this morning, but um, I asked all the teachers I knew and nobody had one, and then I went on Amazon and it was like real expensive and real detailed, almost to the point where you know, might, people that are kind of queasy about that kind of stuff, it might not be good to have it up here, so I went with, with the rack, you'll understand a little bit. So uh, how many of us go through this thing where we just go, I got too many clothes and I need to get rid of them? We all go through that, right? And you, you start going through stuff and you go, I got to get rid of some clothes. I just got too many. I mean, we all do. And we say, I just got to get rid of some clothes. So you start going through this stuff and, and, and it seems easy. You know, it seems easy that you just start getting rid of stuff because, you know, I don't wear this anymore, uh, I can't fit into it anymore, or it's got stains on it, or it's, you know, it's old, or, or it's worn out, I just need to get rid of it. But you start going through that, and you go, now, wait a minute, i got to have one dark jacket, you know, I need that, and i got to have a light jacket, and, uh, well, i got to have this checkered jacket, you know, it breaks it up a little bit. You know, people think I wear the same thing every Sunday, that's not good. And then i got this one, you know, because, you know, for special days, you know, um, and then, and, then, and then it starts kicking in, and you're like, I'm not getting rid of anything. I haven't gotten rid of anything. And then, you, then, there, then there's memories that go with your clothes, right? There's things that have sentimental value. Well, well, Mama gave me this shirt, and I can't get rid of that because it'll hurt her feelings. You know? Or my kids gave me this, and you know, that's special. And, and so you start going through all these things, and you're like, ah, you know, I just, and so you, you, know, you don't get rid of them. Y'all, y'all have those people that call you all the time. Um, say, hey, you got anything for us? We're going to be in your neighborhood this week, you know, like the American Kidney Foundation or, you know, those different ones. And you start loading up the garbage bags, you know. And then, and then, and then you find yourself going back and t- pulling stuff out. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know. Who put that in there? You, know, you can't do that. But, but we, we struggle with that because some of these things are, are, are comfortable to us. They, they have sentimental. They have, they have um, you know, memories that go along with them. And we just, we just can't part, even though we really know that we need to. Um, like, this is not my favorite outfit, I'll be honest with you, you know? Um, I like, I just wish I could wear my jeans. You know, everybody's got a good pair of blue jeans you just love to wear, right? And, and, a, and like a hoodie or a sweatshirt that you just love. It's comfortable, it's beat up, it's got stains on it. But that's just, you feel comfortable in that, right? But there's times, you know, you're not supposed to wear that, and this is probably one of them. But, you know, that's just, you know, that's just how, how, how we roll sometimes. But we get comfortable. Those are our go-to things. You ever had your spouse or your kids or your friends going, oh, so you got your uniform on again because you wear that same thing so many times? So we understand that. But we, we need to get rid of some of our clothes sometimes, but we just have a hard time doing it. Well, our spiritual life is the same way. There's habits and there's things that we do and that we've become accustomed to doing and that we've become comfortable with and there are go-to things we do and then we say and how we behave and we really need to get rid of some of that and we know it causes problems within our relationships we know it causes problems with with people maybe at work or our family or friends or whatever but we're just used to it and we're comfortable with it so we don't want to get rid of it so we just you know we just kind of hang on to it and say well you know that's just me that's just who I am that's what I'm comfortable I don't need to change that but I just I just can't do that right now you ever feel that way in our spiritual life, but in order for us to mature and become the people that God's called us to be, we've got to get rid of some things in our lives, and we've got to be honest about that, and we've got to say, you know, this is, it is comfortable, but it's not who God's really called me to be, and I'm going to have to make some changes, and I'm going to have to get rid of some things, and so, so the last few weeks, we've been looking at Paul's uh, letter to the Colossians, and we're going to do that 
uh, again today. And I know James last week while I was on vacation, let me tell you, I had a staycation, and I've told a lot of y'all, uh, uh, we stayed around. You know how you have those sometimes, and those are helpful, you got stuff around the house. Well, I was trying to put a timing belt on my truck, and y'all, I almost lost my Christianity. <laughs> my gosh, I, I may have saved some money, but I don't think so. It took me all week, you know. But last Sunday, I finally go, oh, please, God, please let it crank. And it's like, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know. But that's, that's what I did last week. But I appreciate the time off and appreciate um, James preaching last week. And I know he talked to, um, a lot last week about, about Paul himself, his character, um, the background and person uh, of who Paul was. And uh, he was an amazing person. He really was. When, when God transformed Paul's life, he was never, ever the same again. And we're sitting here today because of what Paul did because of the transformation in his life. And it was real and it was authentic. And he, he, he literally, uh, to the day he died, was trying to get people to understand the grace of God and how it can transform your life. So we're going to go into chapter 3 today of Colossians. And I just want to remind some of y'all may or may not have been here, and that's okay. But we're looking at this letter to Colossians. It was written by Paul while he was in prison. Paul desperately wanted to be uh, at this church with these people face-to-face, seeing them, um, hugging on them, and actually teaching them face-to-face. But he was in prison. And he couldn't, so he says, I'm going to write a letter there. I'm not going to let this thing that's happening to me in my life, I know it's injustice, I know it's not right, and God, you called me to go all over the world, but why am I in prison? But God said, that doesn't stop you. And Paul wrote these letters, but God knew that. He knew that we would be sitting here one day and needed to hear these same things that if he had told them face to face and maybe not have written them down, we wouldn't know about it. So God knew what he was doing the whole time, but he's in prison. And we know that uh, he's trying to get these people who are new Jesus followers, new uh, Christians in um, uh, Colossia. He's trying to say, hey, I know what's going on in your society. There's a heavy influence on the, on the Greek, on the Romans. You see that all around you. And then all these people from Asia are coming in as well because they were on this trade route, as I've talked about a little bit. And you got all these different people coming in and trading things and buying and selling. And when they're coming in and buying and selling, you're talking to people and they're talking about their religion, their faith, and they're talking about all these different things. And it starts colliding with some of the things that you believe. And some people in this culture, and this is what Paul was specifically trying to warn these new Christians about, saying, hey, there's going to be all these things you hear about different faiths and different religions, and they all sound good. And people are going to tell you, just get you a big old buffet plate, and you just put a little bit of everybody on your plate. And that kind of covers you. And that sounds good. It sounds open-minded. It sounds inclusive. But what it was called and what it is called still in our culture today is syncretism. That means you just take a little bit of everybody's religion and faith and you just try to make that work for you. And that's what a lot of people try to do. And it sounds cool. Like I said, it sounds open-minded. It sounds like, hey, that's okay. I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of that. But ultimately, when you do that, religions and faiths, y'all, are exclusive. They can say they're not, but when you really study all the faiths out there, every one of them is exclusive. If I was a Muslim and I told my parents that I didn't want to be a full Muslim anymore, that I wanted to be part Muslim and part Christian, do you know what they would do to me? I don't even have to say it, do I? If I told my Jewish family that I wanted to be Christian and Jewish, you know what they would do to me? I don't have to say it. That's just the way it is. But I believe with all my heart that Christianity is the most fair, the most inclusive faith that there is. Because everybody gets in the same way through the blood, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And anybody can get in through that. You don't have to do anything. 
All these other faiths, y'all, they talk about all these things you have to do to earn it. You things you have to do. It's already been done in Christianity. And so Paul is serious about this. He goes, y'all, don't, let, don't get caught up in that. You're going to hear all these philosophies. Well, you've got to do a little bit more. No, you have been chosen by God just as you are. And it said, he says, we, um, Christ died for us while we were still what? I say it every week. Sinners. Not when we got our act together. Well, a lot of us, some of you sitting here today think, you know, well, if I can just, you know, I need to get a, get a uh, um, you know, I got to get some, some, some reps in church. I got to get some reps in prayer. I got to get some reps in the Bible before God, and, and then I can ask him to maybe help me out with this situation. No. We don't clean our act up and then God accepts us. He accepts us right where we are. And that's what Paul has been trying to say in the first two chapters. And, you know, the original letter wasn't in chapters, but we kind of break it down to help us. But in those first two chapters of Colossians that we've been looking at, Paul is specifically saying, you need to know who Jesus is. Jesus and God are the same. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He is God. He is the Creator and the Savior. He became flesh and dwelt among you. And He died physical death, and He rose physically from the grave to defeat death and to defeat sin that separates you from God once and for all. That's all you need. When you know who Jesus is and what He's done, that's why we sing these songs, How Great Is Our God, that first song. Man, we were into it this morning, weren't we? Because we believe that. That's, that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. We're not just singing about that. That's really who he is. Allison's never going, woo! You know why? Because she knows that God has transformed her life. She's excited about that. It means something to her. That's why some of y'all were raising your hands and got excited. Because Paul is saying, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he has done for you. And you just go, wow. That's the God I want to serve. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. So he's trying to get them to understand that. And he reminds them. He says, who Jesus is, what he's done from you. He saved you from your sins. He saved you from that, that, that cycle of thinking you have to do more and more and more. And maybe when you die, God will be happy with you. No, he is happy with you right now through the blood of Jesus. You just need to accept it and move forward and allow that to motivate you to live differently. So we're going to look at at chapter 3. Because what he's saying is, I've told you who Jesus is. You're really clear on that now. I've told you what Jesus has done for you. I've been really, really clear on that. So now that you know that, how are you going to live? How are you going to behave now? What are you going to do now that you know who Jesus is and what he's done for you? So let's read chapter 3. I think it's going to be on the screen for us. Um, That's great. Thank you, guys. All right, so chapter 3. Listen to what he says. Since then... All this we've been talking about since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You see where I was going to put the the brain and the heart up here to set it above? That's what I was going to do. It didn't work out. We got the clothes. I'll get to that later. So anyway, but he says, you've got to set your mind, you've got to set your heart on things above. You've got to understand who God is. And he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
Because of, the, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Jesus Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And there's that phrase again we hear all through this letter. In Jesus, through Jesus, everything's through Jesus. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? But it's good stuff. And we're going to try to unpack that just a little bit. So Paul's talking to us and he says, Since if you have been raised with Christ, and he's going back to what we talked about a, a few weeks ago, that symbolic thing of baptism. Baptism is not just going underwater. It's symbolic of I'm dying to my old way of life. The old self, the, the sinful nature, the fleshly nature. I need to put that to death. And I'm going to be raised again. And I'm still going to be the unique Craig, the unique Joe, the unique Sally. Whoever it is that God has made you. But now you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to live in you. And take that unique uh, giftedness and personality that God has given you. And now the Holy Spirit works through you to be who God has created you to be. And that's what He wants us to do. So He says, hey... Set your hearts. If you've been raised with Christ, then this is what you've got to do. Some behavior needs to start showing. Some things need to start showing in your life that that's really too, that you've been changed. He says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. And that's true. We've got to say, hey, we, we get locked into putting our hearts and minds on things here on earth that don't really matter, don't we? And we make that. And sometimes, have you ever caught yourself going through and, and, and um, doing some research on the internet? And after like hours, you go, what in the world? This isn't even important. I was looking at shoes for, for two hours. And we laugh about that because we catch ourselves doing it. I'm not saying you don't need shoes. But after a while, we go, what in the world? That's not, that's not earthly things. That doesn't mean I expect you to be in your Bible all the time and on your knees praying. I mean, that'd be great. But, you know we got to get our minds off earthly things and get our things on what God has said, get our minds on, on things above and on Jesus. He says, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. That old self has to be put to death and your life has to change and you will experience and you will appear, he says, one day in glory with him. And when we sing like that and everybody's singing, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? If you felt it this morning, you said, man, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Everybody's singing and actually in the presence of God. I mean, not that we weren't this morning, but in the presence of heaven, just how that's going to be. That's an amazing thing. And so Paul's saying, you're setting your hearts on things above. You're setting your, your, your mind on things above. And I keep going back to our football Sunday and DeMario Davis talking about that new heart. 
He had to have a new heart, and it was a process, but God did something in him. And I just keep thinking about him because it's like just such a great illustration of, of how it's a process. God doesn't just change us immediately. It takes a while, and we have to go, yeah, I need to, I need to stop that. I need to allow Christ to live in me and through me instead of, trying, instead of trying to do everything on my own. So these steps are not merely behavior modifications by our own self-will, our own self-discipline. Because if we could pull that off, then we think we're okay apart from Jesus. Did you hear what I'm saying? If we can just by our own self-discipline be good enough, then we think, well, hey, I'm good enough. I don't need Jesus. I did that on my own. I'm just got, man, I can bow up and do anything. No, he says, you can't do that. And when we think we can do it on our own, we deny the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we need that. We need to be dependent on him. We do need to change our behavior, but it's through the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have submitted to and say, I'm submitting to you now. I used to do things my way, but now I'm saying, Holy Spirit, guide me. Before I say something, before I react, before I make a decision, I need to allow you to guide me in that. I'm submitting to you. And our efforts to change our behavior are now motivated and driven by the amazing grace that Paul experienced, that Paul has been describing in these first two chapters. He has set us free. He says, now we are holy. We are reconciled to God. Even though we felt we were far from God, he goes, no, you're reconciled to God. You are um, holy in his sight. Remember when we talked about that in the first chapter? We are without blemish. We are uh, free from accusation. And he says, I canceled. Jesus canceled on the cross through his death and resurrection. He canceled that legal indebtedness that had condemned us to death. He canceled that, nailing it to the cross. So that's how God sees us. So that should be our motivation to change our behavior. Not going, well, I'm going to get all my acts square. And you may have friends. You may have family members that you're talking to, and they think they're far from God. They think they've done something so bad that they, they can't come back to God. And they think, well, I got to, you know, I got, like I talked about earlier, I got to get some reps in, and then God will. No. God accepts you and loves you. He knows what you did. He knows why you did it. He knows the exact second and day that you did it. He can tell you what you were thinking when you did it. And he still loves you. And he's going, why are you living like that? That's not what I created you to be. That's not why I created you to do. So just relax and, and, and live and be motivated out of God's grace. It's a grace-driven living. Behaving and responding out of the gift of grace that we already have. We've already received it. We're not having to respond or change our behavior to obtain it. We already have it. And that's why I live and that's why I respond the way I do because I get it. There's a huge difference between those two. We have a new heart, a new resurrected life, and we live accordingly. And that should bring us to God. Say, I want to live for you, God. It's not something cumbersome I want to. So then he says, but you've got to put to death some of these things. Man, he uses strong language. Put to death. These things, and he says, sexual immorality. Let me just say this about that. There's a lot of things that we could list, and I'm not going into details about what sexual immorality is. And sometimes in the church, and sometimes people like me as a preacher, we get on a kind of a high horse and kind of go, well, there's certain sexual immorality that we're just going to pound and pound and pound and say those people are wrong. Any sexual immorality outside of what God created sexual, um, sexuality for is wrong. And against what God created for it. It doesn't mean you can't be forgiven for it. It doesn't mean that God didn't die for it. But when we try to say that we're going to pick and choose and, and say this is wrong and this is right. No, anything, Paul is saying clearly, anything, any kind of sexual immorality outside of what God created it for separates us from God and separates us from other people. That's the truth of the gospel. But he has forgiven us of that and says you can start over at any time 
doing what I've called you to do. So he says sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Y'all know what these things are. Evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. These are strong words. You need to put these things to death. And he says you used to walk in these things. He's using past tense. This is how you used to walk. He's telling these people in Colossians. This is the way you used to. You used to follow pagan religions and do all kind of things. All those temples were sexual immorality. That's where you went to temple and you had sex with all kind of prostitutes. This is what these people are coming out of. And he says, that's what you used to walk in. But now it's past. It's a past life. Now you have been transformed and you are a new person. Now some of y'all sitting there today might have said, yeah, I ain't got a problem with that. I'm good. Not sexually around, not impure, don't lust, liar. Um, evil desires, don't have any of those, liar. Uh, greed, which is idolatry, I don't have a problem with that, liar. You know, we all have these. But just in case we thought we got, got away with not doing those, he goes, rid yourselves, and then he lists some more. Anger, oh, ooh. rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lies. And you look down and you say, well, you know, anger. You know, everybody gets mad, Craig, come on. But Paul's saying you've got to rid those things out of your life. And what he's saying, y'all, is, is that we have these things in our life, and I don't want to get rid of them. I kind of like having malice, and you can't see that I have malice in my heart towards somebody, can you? Can you see if I have malice? You might if you're around me now, but sometimes I can have malice towards somebody, and you would never know it. You can, you can hear me slander somebody, and you don't know that person. You're going, I can't believe that person's like that. Are they really? Yeah, they're a jerk. And then they do this. And then years or months later, you might actually have a conversation with that person. You go, that person's not like that. But for all this time, every time you saw them, you thought because of my slander, that was what that person was. And you just go, have you ever had that happen to you? Somebody talked awful about somebody, but then you actually meet them. You go, that's not even true. That's called slander. And sometimes we can hide those things, but we kind of like that sometimes. It makes us feel better. So like, I'm, I know I need to get rid of that. He said, no, you don't need to get rid of it. He says, you need to what? What did he say? You need to put it to death. That no longer can be part of your wardrobe anymore. And you got to get rid of it. All those things. Well, they're comfortable. I'm comfortable being greedy. Nobody can see greed. I may look generous on the outside, but you don't know how greedy I am really in my heart. I need to get rid of that. And Paul said, yeah, you got to get rid of it. you got to get rid of it. Toss it away. But this is what we do. We go... Nobody's looking. I'm putting it back on the hanger. I I might need this later. And this is what we do, y'all. Something happens to us in life that's not fair, that's unjust, and we get upset with God. And that's understandable. God's a big enough God that he's okay when we're mad at him. He's okay when we're angry with him and we say he's okay with that because he knows. He understands how we feel. He knows every thought, every feeling in the gut of who we are. But sometimes we get mad and we go, man, that, that shouldn't have happened. I'm mad at God. So, you know what? I know you said to die this, but I'm bringing it back. I'm putting it back on the hanger and I'm going to start wearing it. Because I'm mad at you, God. You ever done that? But Paul's saying, no, you died. If you died with Christ, that's no longer can be a part of your life. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to put it away. Put it to death. Rid yourself of that. And that's hard for us to do. And then he says this, he says, you have taken off your old self and you have put on the new self. You can't be the same person anymore. We have to be that new person that God's called us to be. Which he says is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We've got to start becoming like Jesus. And that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do that. 
And the, um, he says, and also, there's been these divisions in culture that try to divide us and get us away from being who God's calls to be. He talks about there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Y'all's created this. I never set it up to be the way. Yes, I had a chosen people, but I've always, from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, God says, ultimately, there would be a Savior, as we read about at Christmas, who would save who? All people from their sins. Everybody. And there's neither slave, there's neither Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian. You know what barbarian is? Now, I, now it took me a long time in my life to understand that um, I would say, the people would say Gentile, and I go, yeah, I know what a Gentile is. I'm like, I don't know what a Gentile is. What is a Gentile? And I finally one day goes, it's anybody that's not a Jew. And I was like, oh, that's everybody then, and it's not a Jew. I get it. But I just kind of pretend it. You know what a barbarian is? When you think of a barbarian, what do you think about? Somebody that that kills and pillages and stuff like that, right? It's a barbaric kind of behavior. Well, actually, in that, in that culture, barbarian was anybody that didn't speak Greek. Did y'all know that? I was blown away by this. And so anybody that didn't speak Greek, and that was the culture of the day, was Greek. The, the New Testament is written in Greek. That's what most people spoke. Now, there were other languages. But if you didn't speak Greek, you were looked at as, oh, you don't speak Greek. And so they thought that their lang- any other language other than Greek, it sounded like bar, 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 bar. Hence the name barbarian. I thought that was pretty cool. Some of y'all, thanks for the little, yeah, that's cool, Greg. <laughs> Keep on studying, nerd. Good for you, you know. <laughs> but I just thought that was fascinating that people, but he's saying don't let that, I don't care if you speak Greek. People in culture do. They may care if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, but Paul's saying God does not care about that. What he cares about is your heart. And whether you're slave or free, we've done all these things. Slavery's wrong, I know it, but it's a part of the culture. But that does not separate you from God. Whether you're slave or free, none of those things. He says, Christ in all, as in is in all. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of behaving in your everyday life. So he says, change your wardrobe. You can't keep putting on these things that separate you from other people. You're supposed to love God first and love others. But if you have all these things that he talked about, that anger and malice and rage and slander and those kind of things, how can you possibly have good relationships on a horizontal level? And you certainly can't have a good relationship with God when you're doing all those things. And God says, I want to clean up both of them, and I have through the cross. Now start living like it. If you really believe that, if you really believe that Christ has transformed you and resurrected you to a new person, then start living like it and change your daggum wardrobe. Y'all ever seen that show? Have y'all ever seen that show? Um, what Not to Wear. If you haven't seen it, it's, 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 a, it's kind of an interesting show to watch. So I think there's a guy on there who's a fashion fashionista, whatever. I think his name's Clinton Kelly. And then there's a lady, and of course she's a fashion lady. Um, uh, Stacy London is her name, I believe. And so basically, these people who are terrible dressers... Um, uh, their friends or whatever go. You need to you need to help this person because they come to work dressed like you know what I don't know. They look awful. They're you know their hair's always messed up. They wear the same old thing all the time. They just look dumpy. But but what's interesting about this show? It's not just about the clothes. A lot of times people dress a certain way because that's how they feel about themselves. I don't feel good about myself. Nobody really cares about me. So why should I care? So I'm just going to dress dumpy and and sloppy and and I and I just don't care. And so when you really start watching this show, it gets kind of emotional sometimes if you've ever watched it, because these people, they're really trying to put up a wall and say, I don't care, but deep down they really do care, and they're, they're, they're touched that somebody would care enough to say, hey, let's help them out with their wardrobe, but they can't do it on their own. They need somebody 
to help them. And what I want to say about that is, is that when we fail, when we don't live up to be who God's called us to be, you know what we do sometimes? We run away from God. And it started in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? As soon as they broke that one rule, what did they do? Let's go hide from God. Uh, I can see you. And you're naked, so you broke the rule. That's why you're hiding. But we run from God. And God says, I don't want it to be like that. I don't want you to run and hide from me. I want you to come clean and go, God, you know that I went and picked up this jacket the other day that I said I had, I had buried and put away out of my life. And, and you saw it, and, and you know what I was thinking when I picked it up and put it back on again and tried to put it back in my closet. You knew what I was thinking. And God, I need your help because I, I can't. Why do I keep doing that? I know you died for me. I know your grace is amazing, but, but why do I keep going back to this stupid? Help me out, Lord. That's running to God, and that shows maturity, doesn't it? When we say, God, I'm running to you, not away from you. So I'm going to try to clean all that act up and pretend it never happened. Like, hey, I'm back in church, God. Did you see that today? Yeah, but I know what happened during the week. I want all of you, not just a part of you. And so he says, you got to change your wardrobe. And these folks don't try to get their wardrobe together by themselves. They need help. And you know what? We can't get our lives together without Jesus Christ in our lives. We need him. And that's what he wants us to realize our dependence on him. So this is what Paul's doing here. He's saying, I've told you not what, I've told you what not to wear. Now I'm going to tell you what you should wear. And he gives this whole list of things. And he says, and this is what you're supposed to wear. Not because you're trying to impress people, like we talked about that BB show. BBC show, you know, um, uh, Keeping Up With Appearances. You're not trying to impress anybody, but you're wearing these things because he says, you are holy, you are chosen, you are dearly beloved people, and this is how people that are chosen and holy dress. And y'all know it's not really about clothes, is it? It's not really about clothes. It's about your heart. And he says, so clothe yourself with this, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bearing with others, forgiving one another, bearing with each other. I said, put love over all these layers of virtues which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, you ever layer up when you go skiing or go out in the snow? And I'm like, I don't even know if we're even going to have a winter. I don't even know if we're even going to get to do that. But I remember when I, I love going out with my kids when it snows and I start putting on, you know, you put on the thin layers, right? And you put on multiple pair of pants, and you put on your long johns, and you put on your pants and shorts, and then your snow pants, and then you put on like a you know a couple of tight shirts, and you just start layering up, and then finally I have this big, huge um, uh, Eddie Bauer overcoat that I put on, and it's wool, and I put it on, and I cover all that up, and kind of bind it all, and I zip it up, and it's got buttons and zippers. Eddie Bauer knew what he was doing. And it's got this big old huge hood that's got the the little things that tighten up your face, you know. And you just layer it up. So when I thought about what Paul was saying, it's like, yeah, all these things, they have to be bound together in love, don't they? You remember in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. But he starts off in that passage talking about, if I have love that can move mountains, if I can walk on fire, I can do all these things, but I have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if I don't have love. So you can be compassionate and kind and, and kind of show that, but your heart has to be really into those things. The motivation for why you're doing those is not you're trying to impress somebody, not you're trying to get something, but you're trying to say to your Heavenly Father who has given you grace that I'm just so glad you saved me and I want to live like this compassionately, kindly, 
with humility and gentleness and patience. I want to be able to bear with one another. I want to be able to forgive one another. And we struggle with these things, don't we? But God says, if you change your wardrobe, change your heart, change your mind, I'll help you through it. So he says, put on love. And then he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you as you worship, as you study, as you mature together. When we worship together, y'all, that's exactly what he's talking about in that passage. Sing hymns, spiritual songs together. That's important for you to recognize who God is and sing about his grace. That's what we sang about this morning. That's what we're going to continue to sing about this morning. And he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you. And whatever you do, listen to this. If you don't hear anything else I said today, listen to this. If you can ask this question. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Think about that. If you ask that question, am I doing this? What I'm getting ready to do, what I'm getting ready to say, that I say this about the driving thing all the time. Am I getting ready to say or gesture to that other driver in the name of Jesus? Man, I'm probably not going to do that. Am I going to say... Or have that attitude towards my spouse or my kids or somebody at work or whatever. Is that what I think God really wants me to say or do? I'm probably going to back off of that. And that's maturity too where God, you say, you know what? You're talking to me, God. You're speaking to my heart. You're speaking to my mind. Because I'm setting things away from earthly things. I'm setting my mind above and my heart above. And I'm listening to the Holy Spirit speak to me and help me through that. So some of us need to change our wardrobe this morning, don't we? And see, it's not about me telling you what you need to change. You don't don't know me well enough to know what I need to change. I mean, there's people that do. And I don't know you maybe well enough. And you might say, dude, I'd get rid of that. But that's that's special, you know, seersucker. Wear that on Easter. But the, the good news, the great news about the body of Christ is, is that we have people in our life that say, Craig, you know what? You don't look good in that. You need to get rid of that. I love you, brother, but it's got to go. And I got to be say, yeah, you're right. When I put that on, I'm a jerk. And I need to let that go. And we got to be able to be a, a family of believers that are, that, are, that are okay with saying that to people that we love and not get all bristled. What, who are you to tell me what? You know, that's what we usually get all defensive. Just go, No, you're right. That's not compassionate. That's not kindness. That's being greedy. That's being showing malice. And I don't need that anymore. You're right. I need it. Don't don't let me put it back on the rack. I'll take it off for you in the garbage bag so you can't put it back on the rack. So today, I want to offer an invitation as we always do. Maybe there's somebody here today that's heard. I hope you heard the grace of God message today. Try to have that every single week. And that's, that's the gospel. That's, what, that's why we study the Bible, because it reminds us of, of the, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to give an opportunity. If there's somebody here today that needs to accept that for the first time and say, you know what, I'm ready to change my wardrobe. I'm ready to let God clothe me with those things like compassion and, and kindness and gentleness. I'm ready to do that, and I need to turn my life over to him. I know one of this coming today, and we're really excited about that, but there may be somebody else here today, or maybe you're looking for a church home. We are not perfect. We are all people that need help telling us what not to wear and what not to do and what to do. We need that, but together, we come together and say, that's, that's the thing that God created, this beautiful thing called the church, where sometimes I need you to tell me what to wear and what not to wear, and sometimes I need to tell you what to wear and not to wear, and we can do that together in love and help each other become who God's called us to be.